Good morning. If you've got a Bible with you, open them up first to the book of John, chapter 17. John, chapter 17. Once you find that, then get your bulletin and stick it in there or a bookmark of some kind and put it there. And then uh, flip over to Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, we're going to spend the majority of our time in Ephesians chapter 4 today, but I want us to be prepared to, at the end as we wrap things up to be able to flip over to, to John 17 and sort of read that together. Um, if you're visiting with us this morning, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Um, it's always a joy to see uh, that God brings people uh, to this church to see what he's doing in this place. And so... Uh, I'm, I'm glad that you're here. I'm grateful for Justin to give me the chance to, to fill in this morning. It's, it's rare that he gets a chance to sit down with his family um, and enjoy time here. And so I am, I'm glad that he um, decides to do that every now and then. It's good for him, I know. I know it's good for them too, judging by the smile on Claire's face. So this morning we're going to talk about church unity. Um, I want to preface this a little bit and give a little bit of a um, just a precursor for before we we jump into this because I had already planned on on having a little disclaimer as we dive into the topic of church unity and it was just um, it was confirmed to me when Abby asked me at the beginning of this last week Ben what are you preaching on I said church unity and the first thing that came out of her mouth was do you not think that we're unified. Um, Yes. So if you're visiting with us today, please don't be nervous. Um, this isn't a, uh, a spanking by any means. Uh, this is one of those things, and really I, th- I believe God laid this on my heart uh, for a couple of different reasons, and it's been going on for um, the last couple months at least. Um, the first is that it is, it's much more important for us to have these kind of conversations before they're really needed. Um, it's the same thing as, as you telling your, your children that scissors are sharp before they get them in their hands and cut their fingers. You would, you would much rather tell them that the, the pot on top of the stove is hot before they reach up and grab it. It's one of those things where if we can be proactive with these topics and these discussions, it's what keeps us in a healthy place rather than letting ourselves get to a point where it, we are in an unhealthy situation and then have to backtrack and then work our way through it. Now, are we perfect? Absolutely not. There's 125 people in here, and there's 372 opinions. So we know that that, that that's, is the reality. Um, but I, I did want to say this is not a, um, a response to anything, as Justin kind of shared last week. This is a proactive measure. And, and secondly, I believe the reason why God really laid this on my heart was because if you look around um, the the world this this may be at least in my lifetime the most divided I've ever seen um, the world around me and it is not just in two or three areas it's almost as if in every way we have division now I do want to say this 
the vision hasn't just shown up. It didn't show up a hundred years ago or a couple hundred years ago. It showed up the very moment that Adam grabbed the fruit and took a bite and in that moment created a divide between him and God. It was very, very, very shortly thereafter when God looks at Adam and says, what have you done? And Adam immediately created division between man and humanity and humanity, his wife. When he blames her and says, but it hurt. Division has been around since the beginning of time. And it's something that we just have to be careful of. But we all know this, that, and, and Scripture tells us that light shines in darkness, and we know that the darker the environment, the brighter and more impactful the light is. If the guys up top were able to, uh, to get a, one of those good flashlights, not the ones like the, the plastic with like the 2D batteries that last for about seven and a half minutes, but one of those really good flashlights and shine it down on me right now, you probably wouldn't be able to tell a difference. But if they kept it on and slowly began to fade the lights down, you would begin to notice it more and more and more. And by the time the lights were already um, completely off, you would notice that light would be very bright on me. And so, one, we want to be proactive, but two, we have to understand and realize Just how important it is for the world to see a church united in the situations that we find ourselves in today. So we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4 this morning and beginning and reading through verse 1. It says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. The first thing we're going to see this morning is that we are set apart by our calling. We are set apart by our calling. Now, when I first read this and really started thinking about this, one of the first things that came to my mind was a conversation that I had with my parents on multiple occasions, um, and probably a conversation that you may have had with your children or when uh, you were young with your parents, and it's that conversation when when you're been told to get ready to go somewhere, and maybe it's to a place a little bit nicer than where you typically may go, say at a wedding or um, you know some kind of a uh, thing where sweatpants and a ratty old t-shirt aren't necessarily acceptable. Because I can remember times when I would be walking down the steps and my parents mainly my mother, stopping me halfway down and going, you might as well just halt yourself, turn yourself around, go back up to your room and try again. Anybody ever had that conversation before? Yeah, there's like seven people that are honest in this room. Yes, we've had that conversation. And I remember times, and, and it would be because uh, I, would, I would do something like that, which, by the way, looking back, why did my mom think for a minute I knew how to do that and prepare myself for those kind of events? That's besides the point. But I remember these kind of conversations, and, and I would say things to the equivalent of, but I don't really care if anybody thinks that I'm underdressed, or they really won't care. And then my mother's response would be something to the effect of, 
Well, you may not care, but I care. Why? Because when they look at you, it's a direct reflection of me. Anybody had that one before? Yeah. Because now as a parent, I realize there's a little bit of truth in that. When I would go to, if I was to go to something like a wedding or something in a pair of sweatpants that had stains and holes in them, because that's what I normally would play in, uh, and, and some ratty old t-shirt, then I understand now my mom, why she would say things like when they look at you, they're going, they're, they may not care about you. In fact, they're going to know that you're nine years old and you probably shouldn't address yourself. They're going to look at me and realize and ask the question, why on earth would that little boy's parents ever let him walk out the house looking like that? And some of you are looking at your children right now, which is kind of funny. I say that because that's how I feel when I read what Paul first said. When he said, make sure, I urge you to walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling that you have been called to. You, church, are a direct reflection of the person in whom you represent. And so when people see you, what they see is maybe their view of who God is, what God desires, and the God that we call our Lord. This is the same conversation that's had in every student ministry gathering or trip that is off campus or outside the norm where we might be a little more exposed to the public. And Justin's laughing because he knows exactly what I'm going to say. It's a conversation that's normally had in one of two places, either in the parking lot before you get on the bus to go or that last 45 seconds before you get off the bus at your destination. It's that that conversation of students, listen, We're about to be outside of our bubble, which means people are going to be able to see you. I'm exposing you to the world. It may be a good thing, it may not be. But remember, you are a direct representation of yourself and your family. In this student ministry, and ultimately our church, and ultimately the Lord above. We have to remind ourselves sometimes that we are is to go back to RAs and GAs, an ambassador of Christ. And when they see us, what do they see? And so Paul reminds them, the church at Ephesus, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Verse 2 continues and says, With all humility... And gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The second thing we're going to see is that we maintain peace through our character. I don't know about y'all, but when I read humility, patience, gentleness, love, that's not exactly the four of the top five things I would list as my attributes and characteristics. 
In fact, that's probably four of the top five things I need to work on the most. And I don't want to spend a whole lot of time walking through what each one of these things mean because, quite frankly, I think I don't need to be your Webster's and knowing what patience means. But I do want us to, to look for just a minute and, and recognize that it's probably not by happenstance that humility is the first thing that is listed. See, we're living in a time where humility, humbleness, it, it may be at an all-time low. That ability to say, I might not be right. Or my vantage point may just be my opinion and not someone else's. I saw this. I got to pull my phone out because I took a screenshot of it because I wanted to share it with you. I saw this this last week and it just, it just reminded me of exactly where I feel like we are today. It's a screenshot of a comment thread on, I, I don't know what on, on what social media, but there's a, a comment thread in it. The first thing says this. It says, someone commented, 2,000 miles isn't, much, uh, isn't that much, honestly. I could drive that much in a day. The, the comment below says, if you drove 75 miles an hour without ever slowing down or stopping, it would take you 26 hours to drive 2,000 miles more than a day. The initial person's response? Well, assuming you're correct, then let's suppose I didn't sleep, so I have more time in my day. Then I could probably make it. The response, 2,000 divided by 75 equals 26.6. The final response, well, I'm not sure if I agree, but okay. That's kind of where we are right now. Where no one is willing to humble themselves enough to accept the fact that they may not be perfect. That everything you may have thought or imagined or just the opinion you formulated in the last 24 hours isn't fact. Humility goes farther than just being able to accept that you're wrong. It means that uh, sort of that you're not the opposite, which is arrogant and prideful. Proverbs chapter 11 says, "When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom." Chapter 16: Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Chapter 29, one's pride will bring him low. Those last three things, that patience and gentleness and love, if we're just honest about it, those things are a lost cause if we're not willing to walk into different situations with an ounce of humility. Not saying that we're going to compromise on what we believe as truth, but saying instead of being arrogant to the person that I am talking to, maybe I'm just going to remain a little more humble, which will allow me to be a little bit quicker to listen and slower to speak, 
which means I'm going to be a little more patient. And when I do speak, I'm not going to try to jerk their legs right out from under them. Rather, I'm going to, with an ounce of compassion, share why I believe what I believe. Ultimately, allowing us to love the people around us. One thing that I do love about this verse is it says there in verse 3, it says we are be eager to maintain the unity of the, of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Please notice it doesn't say create. It says maintain. And that's because as you look at this a little more and it says maintain the unity of the Spirit found in the bond of peace, we are given through God the the thing that allows us to be united that it refers to here. That is the Spirit. For all who profess Jesus as Lord you are then filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Now, that's the same Holy Spirit that I've got, the same Holy Spirit that David's got. It's not an individual spirit that is just unique to us. It is the Spirit of God that indwells us, which means we didn't create that. We are given that, and it is our responsibility, it is our duty to maintain that. And so our work should not be to try to create something that God gives. Our work, our efforts, should be active in maintaining the unity that God gives us through His Spirit. Which leads us to our third thing, which is that we are united as one body. We read that in verse 4. It says, There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to the Lord. Let me start there. Verse 4 again. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. When we were united by the Spirit of God. And in that, that means we are united as the body of Christ. That's why I believe it is so important for us as a church to remain focused on maintaining the unity that we have through what God has given us. We have all seen and heard those conversations of people that are maybe outside of the church. That when they begin to talk about the church, when they begin to reference the church, um, there's a lot of discussion or conversation or statements made about um, the hypocrisy that's found in the church, um, the arrogance that's found in the church, um, the division that's found in churches. I 
But let's be honest, how should we expect a world from the outside to look in and if they were to see a place that's angry with each other, that's judgmental of the people within and outside, that aren't willing to work through differences and struggles, how should we ever expect them to look in and see something that they would want to be part of? When you look at being part of the body of Christ, being part of the family of God, a, a, being a child of God, and how the world may view that, if we're not really careful, then it's very, very easy for the world to look in and say, that is absolutely nothing that I would want to be part of. As believers, we have been filled with the very same Spirit. And as we shared in verse 1, if we are not careful to walk together in unity, if we are not careful uh, to maintain the unity that God has given us, to work through the different things that we have to work through, if we are not willing to walk united as the body of Christ, then how are we ever to live a life that's worthy of the calling that we have been called? And the last thing, and what I believe is the most important thing, comes from verse 5 and 6. And that's that we are justified by one gospel. Verse 5 says, or let's get to verse 4. It says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. There's a reason that today's message is kind of simply entitled the, The One Thing. And that's because at the end of the day, there really is... Uh, even within the church, just one thing probably that we can all find ourselves as, as having in common. Just one thing that if we were to really begin to put ourselves next to somebody else that we should all be able to agree on as a Bible-believing, God-fearing believer in Jesus Christ, and that is the gospel. Now, I know some of you are thinking, Ben, there's probably more than just one thing. Surely, surely there's not that many things that divide us, right? You can laugh at that one. Not because I'm funny, but because the, reality, the, the actual reality of that being a possibility is funny. And so I've got a, a few questions that I want to ask. And these, let me preface this, these are, these are stereotypes. 
So, so let, me, let me begin with that. Just stereotypes within the church. If we're going to ask ourselves a question, if, is there really that many things that can, uh, that can divide us? Let's ask this question. And you don't have to have a show of hands if you don't want to. Again, we're talking about unity, so I'm not trying to divide with these things. Um, but h- how many of you wish we had like a legitimate coffee bar in this place? A place where you could walk in, and if you didn't have time to make your coffee before you left, you could you could waltz right in, and there it is. It's a little pour spout. Maybe there's somebody behind there that fixes the cup for you, asks you how many cream and sugars. I mean, we don't have to have a, a, an actual Starbucks, but just something, you know. How many of you would be upset if you walked in next week and we had turned the foyer into that? Uh-oh. Some of you thought yes to both questions. How many of you wish the carpet was different? Yeah, there's, there's a few. How many of you would be upset if you walked in next week and you got what you wanted with the carpet, but at the same time you walked in and instead of the carpet was a stained concrete floor, the pews were gone and there's some kind of contemporary young hipster kind of seat where you're sitting right now that that probably wouldn't be very good would it who wishes that just for once i would walk behind the pulpit and when i read it would match your king james version bible Uh oh (laughs) these are funny because (laughs) because they're they're true how many of you thought the only good thing that has come from this pandemic is David has been picking a couple more hymns than usual. How many of you are upset because of this pandemic, David has been picking a couple more hymns than usual? Church, these things are funny, and they are things that we have differences of opinion on. Fortunately for us, these are not things that, at least to my knowledge, has caused a lot of division at least during my time here. I do believe we've kept some of these things that just are silly and stereotypical of, of any, and this, these are the same exact questions that could come from any, uh, any church when comparing a contemporary style to a more uh, traditional style. These are preferences. These are personal opinions. But these are the first simple little questions that popped up in my mind when trying to think of things that could could potentially cause division in the church and at the same time have absolutely no importance. Things that could easily cause arguments and separation within the body of Christ, but at the same time would be absolutely ridiculous if the color of carpet or a painting on a wall had the power to divide a church so much that the people outside of it could see that's not something that I would ever want to be part of. And so I bring these up because I I, I hope to remind us this morning 
that there are so many things that we can have differences of opinion on that are things that you do care about, that you do have thoughts and opinions about. The most important thing is that we do not let them become more important than what is actually important. And the reason that we are actually here in this room, which is because of the saving grace of Jesus. Those things are silly, but there are more things that we have going on around us. There are things that are a little more sensitive in nature than where the coffee bar goes. If you look around us right now, we have easily one of the most volatile times that I am aware of. There's division on how the state and the federal government has handled a pandemic. There is division on um, how we're to respond and what are we as as citizens supposed to do. Um, There is division on what decisions that churches and their leadership has made and how we handle things and what we ask of people and what we uh, try to start and, and not start and how on earth is it safe for us to be there and how on earth is it, uh, can you tell me that I can't come uh, to my church and uh, how, how, how are we supposed to start back to school? Who thinks it's smart for us to have kids in schools? What, what do these people think I'm going to do when both of us work and they tell me that my second grader has to stay at home for the next six months? There are enough things going on in the world around us that have easily have the ability to divide us in ways, again, that are much more important than where you can get the coffee from. Who has been ridiculed? Who has felt injustice who wants to defund who who believes that some people handle things right and some people handle things wrong and don't forget that's also in the middle of a presidential election which we you know always brings the people together we can easily ask the question who would Uh, What kind of person gets their news from those sources and what kind of bigot only gets their news from that one place? It's so easy if we focus on all the things in the world around us. It's so easy to be divided even with people that you love and care about. And so I want to ask this. Are we willing to focus on the gospel? The one thing that all believers should be able to agree on. Are we going to let... Hear me. That doesn't mean that we don't get to have opinions about things. 
It doesn't mean that you ignore everything else. It just means that we let the gospel be the lens. Our biblical worldview is the lens in which we view all these things. And at the end of the day, when we lay our heads on our pillows, it is, it is not just my opinion about said situation. It is what is God's word and the truth of the gospel that has transformed my life. How has it shaped my opinion of what is going on around me? If we were all willing to take a moment to focus on what the gospel is and what it has done in our lives, then we will immediately be humbled. We will immediately be brought to our knees. If we'll just take a minute to recognize what the gospel has done in our own lives, what we're going to recognize is that it is the one thing that fixed the greatest divide in the history of humanity. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It tells us that all we like sheep have gone astray. We all go on our own way. It says that sin separates us from a holy God. Colossians tells us that we were once alienated. We were considered enemies. We were considered hostile to a holy God. Therefore, we deserve an eternity in hell because of the wretched sin in our life, ultimately being the eternal divide between me and God. The greatest divide in the history of the world was united because of the gospel. Because Jesus left the glories of heaven and came to the earth and did for us what we could not do for ourselves, offering us the ability, the opportunity to have a saving relationship with the Lord, ultimately being the bridge that is between us and God. Jude says that for him who is able to present you blameless before a holy God does so with great joy. Isaiah tells us that all of us have chosen our own path, but the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. It says that he was beaten for our transgressions and he was crushed and pierced for our sin, yet he gave his life is for the iniquity of us all. If we are willing to take a moment and focus on the truth of the gospel, what it does, who we are without it, our wretched selves, and remind ourselves that it united us with a holy God, then maybe, just maybe, as God humbled himself to die on a cross, has been patient and gentle to forgive us as we repeatedly fail him and love us without question 
maybe, just maybe, we can be willing to do that with the person in the section over from us or the cubicle down the hall from us. I'm going to wrap up with John chapter 17. We're going to read verses 13 through 23. This is Jesus' prayer after a pretty incredible conversation that he had with the disciples. And beginning in verse 13, it says this, But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world I do not ask that you take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one they are not of the world just as I am not of the world sanctify them in the truth your word is truth as you sent me into the world so I have sent them into the world And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask these only, ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. As David and the team come, my last question is this. This one thing, the truth of the gospel, is it what is shaping your view of everything in the church, outside of the church, in your home, in your workplace? Are you letting it be the lens in which you view the people around you. And if people are to look at us today, if the people you've had conversations with over the last week, people that you agree with and disagree with, if they were to take a minute to think back and examine those conversations, would they see someone who is humble, who is patient, who is loving, who is gentle, And who is living a life that is worthy of the calling to which they have been called. For some of us, we may have never surrendered to that gospel. Which means it in no way, shape, form, or fashion has been the lens in which you look at everything. That can happen today. I'm going to pray in a second. Justin is going to be down here to one of the sides.
He would love to talk to you about what that means. For the rest of us, I just ask that we think through what the gospel has done to transform our lives, the things we do, the things we say, the way that we view the people around us. God, I'm thankful today for the truth of your word. I'm thankful today that you humbled yourself to go to the cross to die for our sins, ultimately bringing unity to the greatest divide in the history of the world. God, thank you for saving me. Lord, today I pray that our lives will bring worthy, will bring honor to the life that you have called us to live. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you, Ben. Uh, absolutely. Appreciate it, man. As we gear up for school, remember, church, go fitted with the gospel. And may that be the only thing they see uh, when they enter and come in contact with us. Thank you all for being here this morning. A couple of quick things for you. You can remain standing. Uh, this afternoon, we have Discover Westmead. First time since March that we're having Discover Westmead. And uh, I'm just going to throw this out to you to some of our church people. Um, we've got about 20-something people who are interested in seeing what ministry looks like at Westmead. And uh, if you're kind of a, a, an outgoing person and would like to come hang out, it starts at 5. Um, if you want to come about 440 and hold doors and just greet people uh, and just see some of the new faces that have been coming in, in one of the two services, uh, you'd be blessed by it. Um, I'll be honest with you, we don't have enough food for you, but uh, if you just want to come and love on some people who are seeking a church family, I invite you to do so. It starts at 5 o'clock today. I'm excited about that. Next Sunday's a big Sunday for our church. Be praying for us. Um, we are going to resume our children's worship upstairs. Ben has got an amazing way and, and, a, and a plan for, for being able to take our children upstairs and having some time of teaching them God's word and truth. Uh, so I ask you parents uh, for children uh, up through third grade um, to be praying about letting your child be a part of that. And we invite you and encourage you to go with them if you want to make sure that everything's okay. But they have some great things taking place. Our student ministry uh, is going to be having their school launch next Sunday with promotion Sunday uh, and some really great things happening. So there's, there's still incredible exciting things happening in the life of our church but let's be diligent in praying for God to lead the way in these areas on your way out there's a bucket uh, and a chair if you'd like to put your tithe or offering in there you can feel free to do so thank you so much for being here today hope you have a great rest of the day don't forget to take your bulletin with you buddy hey good job thanks man I appreciate it I appreciate you man